friends, welcome to WrestleBuddies Game Spots Wrestling Podcast filled with wrestling, friendship, and wrestling with friendship. I am your host, Matt Elfring, and with me as always is Chris Hayner. Chris, how are you today? Matt, for the second time this week, I'm doing pretty all right. Because are we really are we peeling we, back the curtain? Absolutely. When do we not peel back the curtain on this show? Oh, this no. is the second time we've recorded this episode because your boy Chris Hayner got a new computer and doesn't know how to work it yet. Oh, the the audio. You know what I'm gonna do? What? I'm just gonna put a tiny clip of your audio right here. Oh God, I'm so sorry. Just a little bit. Ready? I'm excited, Matt. Because of the E in my name. Because that's what now has been established. That's what it stands for. Not Evan, but excitement. That is what the audio sounded like for the episode. <laughs> it's so I believe bad. Chris was stuck in a cave. Uh-huh. Uh, waiting out uh, the end of days. Uh-huh. Uh, he was eating some canned peaches. Mm-hmm. They're delicious. And just... He just didn't want to confront humanity, but now he's back in humanity. Chris, well, it's great to have you back. I mean, Matt, these are trying times. I wanted to go to a place of warmth and of comfort, so of course I picked an echoey cave to spend my time <laughs> in. And then you, Mr. Audio, decided to tell me, like, living in a cave is not conducive to good podcast quality, Chris. So here I am, back in the big city, Hainer, and I am ready to rock. I'd like to peel back the curtain a little bit more about I'm kind of an a-hole with audio quality. Uh-huh. I know I don't have 100% audio quality that I'd like to have. Same. But every week I send Chris notes. <laughs> I, You know what? You say that, but I want to go out on a limb and say since I figured out my audio setup and got my new microphone, things have been decidedly better. They, it is better. I, I think I sent you one note yesterday about the past two weeks, which was an easy fix for me. But I'm just like, this is just what's going on. I'm going to keep you, uh, whatever. This yeah, is all stupid. Yeah. And Let's I talk say, about wrestling. No, no, and I will say it's a thing that I still don't quite understand. There is something going on with evidently a mic cable. Uh, hopefully that's not an issue anymore. Whatever. It doesn't matter. The show sounds great. The show is fun. And the past couple of weeks, we've had special episodes. We had a we remember Brody Lee, a, mm-hmm. a wrestler that recently passed, who was a family man and a wonderful human being. Uh, we had the Buddy ZZs, our very first award show with Keisha, Keisha Hatchet. That's, That's her right. name. And now we're getting back to the basics. We're getting back to the silly Chris. What's coming up on today's show? Oh, Matt. First of all, well, second of all, it's going to be our second segment today. Uh, we're doing a little bit. Of, we're going to do a little bit of an origin story. We're going to tell the tale of the first impression given to all of us by, uh, I would say, a legendary uh, WWE stable, an mm-hmm. iconic group, a powerful force in the pancake arts. We're going to look back on the very first appearance, the birth, if you will, of the New Day. Ooh, that'll okay. Be, that'll be fun. Uh, and you know how we know it'll be fun? Because we've already recorded it once, so we know what's in it. And now we can go. Now we can just cut out all the all the BS we yeah said. all the all the boring parts where we all like, the boring parts. We're just going to do the exciting parts this time. Yeah, uh, but before that, uh, we're going to talk about hands down the greatest wrestling match to ever take place uh, on this or any other planet, uh, and that is whoa whoa whoa. <laughs> You're talking about Kota Ibushi versus uh, Kenny Omega, right? Uh, uh, no, Matt, don't be stupid. I'm talking. I'm sorry. Uh huh. You're talking about Kota Ibushi versus Yoshihiku. No, you're out of your mind, Matt. I okay, I'm sorry. You're not... talking about Kota Ibushi versus... Sorry. <laughs> I'm talking about that time Kota Ibushi watched <laughs> Shawn Michaels versus Hulk Hogan at SummerSlam 2005. <laughs> I wonder, can we get Kota Ibushi on the show to ask him if he's seen that match? Not ask him about any of his own matches. <laughs> nothing about his career. Just be like, hey, have you seen... And if he hasn't... Email him beforehand and be like, watch this match in preparation for our interview. <laughs> and then hey, only uh, ask him about, like, Shawn Michaels, like, selling a big boot as if he got hit by a semi-truck. Hey, Kota Ibushi, one half of the Golden Lovers. Uh, you remember <laughs> when Hulk Hogan bladed himself uh, fighting Shawn Michaels at SummerSlam 2005? <laughs> <laughs> One day, I think we should do that for an interview. Just go completely, just, no, we can't do it. 
I've got actually a story about that kind of like about this that I will tell you off the air Fantastic. Uh, because it, it makes a person look like a jerk. Not me like a jerk, but the other person. Is it anyway, the, am I the other person? That's not. No, good. it's not you. OK, good. Uh, remind me later. Anyway, Chris, it's Hulk Hogan versus Shawn Michaels at SummerSlam 2005. Jesus. All right, Matt. I I, I, I help me come back in from break after me telling Chris about the story. And this first word is Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Matt. It's SummerSlam 2005. Uh, It sure is. Whether or not the people realize it, it is uh, perhaps the mightiest pay-per-view card in WWE history. This is the show that had uh, Matt Hardy versus Edge after Edge, I like stole Matt Hardy's girlfriend or and then Matt Hardy went on bite this to yell at Lita WWF bite this B-Y-T-E this oh it's an internet show we're so how weird is that that like you you like internet shows are a thing now but you think back to bite this when Matt Hardy appeared when Lita was being interviewed and how like weirdly kind of revolutionary that was Mm -hmm. well I mean do you remember do you remember how bite this was streamed that was just over the internet, wasn't it? Yeah, but it was using Real Player. Remember Real Player? Oh man, <laughs> that's a quick time uh, event, baby. It's sh- oh man, it is the quickest time event. <laughs> uh, so it was Matt Hardy versus Edge. Uh, it, this was also home of a match we've talked about extensively, and that is Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero in a ladder match for custody of Dominic Mysterio hyphen Guerrero. And we all know that the outcome was. You should be calling Dominic Mysterio, Dominic Guerrero. That's how it is. I mean, that's how I felt initially. But, you know, it's a it's a it's a it's a tricky subject. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, where, where's Dominic Mysterio? I think he's down in NXT. Isn't that the rumor mill that's going on that he's not ready for the main card? But send him I, to NXT. I don't know, brother. I don't read the dirt sheets. I do. It's not true. I absolutely do. We all read the dirt sheets. I believe nonsensical. Yeah, I believe like 5% of what's written. Absolutely. Uh, So, yeah, that was on this show. But neither of those matches were the main event, Matt. The main event was Terry the Boulder Hulk Hogan Balea versus the heartbreak kid Michael Hickenbottom Shawn Michaels, baby. Let's stop right there for one second. Yes. Just one second. And we didn't do this the first time, which is going to be confusing. Wait, fun. are you going to make fun of someone's last name being Hickenbottom? No, I'm not. Okay. Uh, Dominic Mysterio Guerrero versus Eddie. <laughs> I'm sorry. Not Dominic didn't fight anybody back then. Eddie Guerrero versus Brian <laughs> Eddie Mysterio. Eddie beating up a child? Well. I'm your pet. father. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker. That match was... It's a crazy story, but I'd say it's a well-built feud that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Then you have Matt Hardy versus Edge, which to me was like the hottest feud going at that time. And then you have the main event, which is just like kings of their generation. Uh-huh. Um, I think Matt Hardy Edge would have been a better main event. I don't, and I'll explain why. Okay, I, okay. I think I think the storyline for Matt Hardy versus Edge was really interesting, but it was cl- like once WWE decided to embrace it, they used it specifically to only put over Edge because yeah. Edge was the rising star. So it was like I don't, I don't know. And it, hadn't Hardy been fired previous to that and been brought back just for this? There was yeah, some weird- he got fired and then brought back. And We're going to yeah. cover this, I think, right? We have to cover oh, this on the show. This is on the list, yeah. Uh, but, like, Hulk Hogan versus uh, Shawn Michaels, it was originally, I guess, based on all the reports, and uh, we're going to get into how there are two sides to the story, the Shawn Michaels side and the Hulk Hogan side. But based on the reports, it was originally going to be sort of a best of the best versus a best of the best, and it was about seeing if Shawn Michaels could actually overcome the immortal Hulk Hogan. Uh, and so that was the plan. It was going to be a three match series. Hulk would win the first one. Sean would win the second one. And then they would meet for a third time in a cage match where I'm assuming it's like alien versus predator. No matter who wins, we lose baby. Um, wait, but, who's the alien and who's the predator in that situation? I am not going to answer that question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> Sean is the alien. We'll say, okay. 
Well, because Predator had Schwarzenegger in it. I feel like Schwarzenegger and Hulk Hogan are buddies. They seem like guys that would be friends. Right? Like well, big, back then, old, not old, now. Big, muscly, old-timey dudes. No, not now. Now Hulk Hogan only hangs out with people in Clearwater, Florida, where he just opened a second restaurant. Matt, uh, as you know, I'm moving to Florida. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I have talked to the girlfriend about going to Hulk Hogan's restaurant for the podcast. Oh, boy. It's going to happen. Um, uh, so, yeah, as I was saying, this is supposed to be like a three match deal. It was going to be just essentially two of the two of WWE's top stars of all time facing off, you know, kind of like how when Hulk Hogan faced The Rock a few years earlier when he could still go a little bit. And mm-hmm. that was a big that was a WrestleMania that was one of the biggest matches in WrestleMania history, I would say. Um, this is a little bit different, and it was going to be a three-match series that didn't do go the distance, we'll say. Uh, because based on, according to reports in various Hulk, uh, Shawn Michaels interviews over the years, it sounds like the, the original plan for a babyface versus babyface icon versus icon match fell apart when... Uh, Hogan decided that he would rather do a traditional heel versus babyface match with Sean as the bad guy. Because uh, Hulk Hogan lives in 1989. That's right, brother. So as it went on, Sean became the heel. He did a lot of mocking of Hogan, a lot of mocking of Hogan's age. And he got a little bit of the cocky heartbreak kid persona that we hadn't seen since well before his uh, he went out with the back injury. Uh, years prior and honestly it was kind of fun parts of it were very cheesy the larry king sketch was not my cup of tea it felt very uh modern dx kind of jokes where it's like yeah. look we're middle-aged men and we're in on the the edgy humor that the kids love oh boy the kid, here comes a viagra joke right yeah, am i that, right because kids love jokes about larry king live if they love Ugh. anything, it's Larry King live humor. I remember, you know, just in my youth, uh, coming home every day, watching Larry King, and then getting on my bike and riding to my friend's house and just talking about Larry King. Yeah. King Mania was running wild throughout the early aughts. Mm, yeah. So cut to SummerSlam. Sean comes to the ring. Cocky smile on his face. Holt comes to the ring. The biggest American flag I've ever seen in my life drops down behind him to take up the entire side of the arena. I groaned there and I groaned there when you mentioned the American flag being dropped because it's not like a I'm a patriot thing or anything like that. It's a I'm pandering to the crowd like a 1987 face. And I just like, well, I mean, yeah. And right down to the theme song, he still uses I am a real American fight for the rights of every man. I am a real American fight for the right fight for your life. Like it's, it's very much a night, like a a mid eighties pro America. I'm eventually going to face off Iraqi sympathizer, Sergeant slaughter. (laughs) I'm glad glad you brought that back up for this, this version of the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, they get in the ring. The, the crowd is actually super excited. The crowd loves Hogan in this. And they're like, Sean is still getting cheers, but he's also getting a bit of a negative reaction. So it's sort of worked. And it's hard to get people to boo Sean Michaels, honestly, because he's Sean Michaels. Because he he's the he just puts on amazing matches. And that's what he's known for. His yeah. gimmick at this point is uh like what do they call it? What's Kenny Omega's gimmick? Like best bout machine? Yeah. That's kind of what Shawn Michaels was in WWE, especially at this point, because he was Mr. WrestleMania. Well, this, yeah. I think this is before Mr. WrestleMania became a thing for him, right? Mr. WrestleMania was a thing for him, like back even like new generation. Yeah. Uh, but so but this is where the fun starts. They lock up. Oh, Hogan yeah. is a big, tough brute. So, of course, he wins the lockup and pushes Shawn Michaels off. Shawn Michaels, like, does backwards somersaults and flip-flops all the way across the ring. And that's when you realize, like, oh, this isn't going to be like other matches. No, this isn't going to be, like, test of strength. Like, these men are both equal to each other. It's Shawn Michaels flopping like crazy, and it's beautiful. It's it's as if Shawn Michaels, like, had been taking stuntman classes. 
<laughs> and was and was like, finally, I could put my new my could put my new knowledge to work here in a really meaningful way. And he sells literally everything from Hogan as if it's the most insanely impactful hit he, that he's ever been dealt. Uh, a shoulder tackle sends him <laughs> flipping backwards out of the ring. He lands outside the ring from a, sh- a simple shoulder tackle in the middle of the ring. He, Matt, that, and that's the moment where, like, I think you see Hogan break because at, he yeah. walks over to the ropes and throws his bandana at him and looks <laughs> angry. And at a certain point, Hogan realizes what's going on and it's yeah. bad. But he continues with the match, and it only gets more ridiculous from there. Yeah. Uh, Matt, I'm going to tell you what my favorite bump in the match is, and you can tell me what your favorite bump in the match is. My favorite bump in the match is when Hogan bounces Sean's head off the turnbuckle pad, Mm -hmm. and Sean plants both legs on the middle rope and uses it to literally rocket himself backwards across the ring to the other corner. It's the most insane thing I've ever seen. And I don't know I don't know how much of this he planned before the match or how much of this in the moment he was just sort of reacting as over the top as possible, but it looks wild and I love it. My favorite moment in the match mm-hmm. is when Hogan has Shawn Michaels on the turnbuckles, laying down across the top turnbuckle, mm. starts kicking mm-hmm. him, and Michaels is flying up in the air, like three feet up in the air from every it's kick. So weird. Which then catapults Michaels onto the top rope uh, between his legs, and then Hogan shakes the rope, and he's just <laughs> hitting Michaels in the groin and over and like, over. Oh! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's 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 bizarre, man. Uh, now, that's not to say Sean didn't get in any offense because he did just repeatedly punch Hulk Hogan in the head until Hogan did maybe the worst blading job I've seen in WWE. Oh, it's, it was a weird moment. It's, it's Sean was hitting a very specific point on Hogan's head in an effort to open him up and get some juice. But Hogan, like it seems to be, he just cut a gash along his forehead and just a curtain of blood comes out. I I mean, the worst part about that blading is right after Hogan blades, Michaels puts him in a sleeper hold. And so it's all the blood that's just in his head is just gushing out of his, onto Hogan's face and all over Michael's arm. And, and the ring and the ring oh. and all the ropes. I kept seeing like there was blood on Hogan's hand and he just wiped it on the rope. And I'm like, I'm thankful this is the main event because yeah. I wouldn't want anybody in the ring after that. Absolutely not. That would never happen today unless it's AEW, in which case we saw that last year with the uh, Blood Brothers match, mm-hmm. uh, which this I will say this did not have as much blood as the Blood Brothers match, no. but it was very close and it was equally as uncomfortable. Uh, I understand that there are people out there who enjoy uh, the sort of fighting until you bleed aspect of some wrestling matches. That's not me. I'm not that guy. I don't like blood. I don't. I don't. I, I like it when it's it makes sense for the match. I It doesn't make sense here. Like Bret Hart versus Stone Cold. I loved that one. Um I did too. That I wonder if that is just a function of my age at the time. Like I was the younger guy and I was more into it. Now I'm just like, uh. now when I see like uh, Finn Balor uh, got a little busted open at the recent NXT show where he defended against uh, Kyle O'Reilly mm-hmm. and it, I think it, yeah, it was Kyle O'Reilly and it was, it was a very little bit of blood, but it was like a very concentrated, like around the corner of his eye. And like that to me looked like it hurt more than the blade job with blood everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, do you know what I mean? Because it looked more realistic. When I see a blade job with blood everywhere, all like it's obvious to me that it's blading. Yeah. That's not, there's nothing about that for me. Like if the ring is covered in blood, I'm like, oh, oh okay, I guess. But no, I don't know. I don't know. I'm a weird guy. Speaking of Bret Hart, there was a sharpshooter applied in this match. Chris, tell me about it. Oh, Matt, this sharpshooter. Like, first of all, you know, it's heel Shawn Michaels when he breaks out a sharpshooter. Oh, yeah. Because that's obviously that is how he screwed Bret, as we all know, and still chant to this day, I'm sure, probably. Yeah. Uh, But he puts on. Okay, there's two sides of this. I understand that Hulk Hogan is an elderly gentleman. 
and maybe can't bend as much as like a Shawn Michaels can or could yeah. at that time. He Sean puts on the laziest looking sharpshooter I've ever seen in my life to where Hogan's legs are barely crossed. And not only that, they're barely lifted off the ground. Like, it's almost like Hulk Hogan is laying there, but he's screaming in pain. And like part of me wants to believe that Sean knows that it makes Hogan look dumb. <laughs> because it does. He looks so weird screaming and shaking his head and pounding the mat as Sean barely has anything applied to him. It's such a weird moment. It's it's almost like it's like a lazy uh, Boston crab at that point, too. It's like a <laughs> yes. mixture of like a Boston yes. crab and a sharpshooter. It's like, what is the laziest walls of Jericho one could feasibly apply well, if you're uh, saying Walls of Jericho, oh, never mind. I was well, thinking I mean, Lion Tamer. Yeah, which, the Lion Tamer has oof. the knee and the neck, which that's a good move. The Walls is just a Boston Crab, let's be honest. Yeah, it's Jericho doing a Boston Crab. <laughs> uh, so what I'll say about this match is this might be Hogan's best match. Because I, I, Sean, I is, yeah, Sean is putting on a clinic in there of how to sell things to magnificent degrees. And it makes Hogan look powerful it makes hogan look silly it makes the whole thing look silly but it makes hogan look powerful and also hulk hogan has never been let's say nimble or cat-like and as which we'll talk about later <laughs> you're, you're uh, showing your hand chris that's right and so like he's not known for these high work rate matches Shawn michaels is only known for these high work rate matches and and that's something i want to make note to everybody is that I can name great Shawn Michaels matches. I can name great Shawn Michaels moments, yada, yada, yada. When it comes to Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan has some iconic moments in wrestling. There is no doubt about that. Whether it's dropping the leg on Macho Man, body slamming Andre the Giant at WrestleMania 3, uh, fighting Ultimate Warrior, whatever. Well, no, here, but I was, you, you mentioned the Ultimate Warrior. Here's what I'll say about that. What is the thing that everyone remembers most from that Ultimate Warrior match? It's the, the stare down at the beginning of the match. Yeah, it's, not, it's the it's before the match starts. Nobody Hogan, remembers like the two moves they traded back and forth. No, because Hogan's not known for his matches. Right. He's known for his moments. He's known for his promos. And that's fine. That is perfectly fine. As a wrestler, you're allowed to be a wrestler who's known for moments and not matches. That I mean, yeah. that's the two different sides of the coin when it comes to wrestling is great. Those who are great in the ring and those who are great everywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and, okay, and Shawn Michaels is a guy to me who kind of crosses between both those worlds. Uh, so seeing a match that is legitimately great and fun to watch with Hulk Hogan that you mm-hmm. want to watch again, even yeah. if it is for weird reasons, is a a rarity. This is the needle in the haystack Hogan match to me. Absolutely. And like we watched it again yesterday. It's gr- It's entertaining from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess a lot of that is comes from Shawn Michaels. Also, a lot of that comes from Hulk Hogan getting very mad at what's happening when he realizes what's happening, but then mm-hmm. also just deciding, well, we have to do this match. So I'm just going to keep going. And yeah, and he, and he does he does the Hogan shtick in the face of Shawn Michaels doing the overselling thing to him, mm-hmm. uh, which is really interesting. Uh, the match as a whole, uh, yeah, it's great. Of course, like practically every Hulk Hogan match, it ends exactly the same. You! Where... Sean seemingly has Hogan beat goes for the pin. He hits. I will say this. This match has one of the absolute best sweet chin musics uh, that I can remember. Sean hits Hogan right under the chin and the two of them together make perfect contact. And then Hogan just falls and it like it's such a good moment. And in that moment, you think, oh, it's over. Because for yeah. a hot second, you forget, like, wait, this is a Hogan match. Of course, Hogan has to do is press the L1 button and then Hulk up. <laughs> yeah. So Hogan obviously kicks out at two, but he kicks out at two in such a way like he's he's beaten. He's defeated, except he does that kick out where he, like, pushes Shawn Michaels off of him. Like, like so Shawn Michaels flies off of Hogan. Mm-hmm. Um and then he does the Hulk up bit. Shawn punches him. He's covered in blood, shaking his head like a maniac. And then he points to Shawn Michaels, you, I don't know why, like who else would yeah. he be talking to? I never, but, but Chris, that what bit. happens next at that point is the best sell of the big boot of all time. 
That's right. Hogan hits hits a couple of punches, throws Michaels into the ropes, lifts his leg majestically. And then Shawn Michaels crashes into his foot. Uh, because Hulk Hogan's big boot does not include any forward momentum. It's no, only it's just, just lifting, lifting your his leg, leg up. <laughs> uh, but Sean hits it, spins around, falls down, pops back up to his feet, spins around again, and falls down again. It's there, beautiful. The big boot uh, is, um, I guess it's more of a signature than a finisher. Yeah, uh, but it's the laziest signature of all. Like I, I do like Hogan's leg drop. I, I, I think that's a fine finisher for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but the big boot is just such a. I know it's just a setup for the leg drop, but in no way to me does the big boot warrant someone being knocked out long enough for Hogan to pose, run the ropes twice, then drop the leg. You know. Uh- I feel about the big boot the same way I feel about the rock winning with like a people's elbow finish. I don't like, I like the move. I don't like it as the finish of the match because that's a suspension of disbelief. That doesn't make yeah, any I sense. I think the rock bottom is a better, should be a better finisher. The rock bottom is a fantastic, like I love the rock bottom, but it's always um, rock bottom into people's elbow, you know, which, but, but that's fine. I think. Yeah, because you're putting him out, you're putting him down with the rock bottom and then you're adding your little bit of rock flair with the people's elbow. Yeah, which that checks out. Uh, The worm is not a finishing move. And Uh, Otis is whatever the caterpillar. I hate that. Because it's also just an elbow drop, right? Yeah, at least when to me, when the rock did the people's elbow, it was a reflection of his character. And Um, it was different every time. Mm-hmm. And I, I, Otis is the caterpillar is not a reflection of his character, at, at least with the uh, Scotty two hotties. Uh, God, I just for, the worm. That was also a reflection of his character. I, Otis is just as weird to me. It doesn't fit. I mean, that's Otis's character. He's weird and doesn't fit. Remember when he was money in the bank champion? Remember when the Miz took it <laughs> and then lost it and then got it back? Uh, oh, so, God. Wrestling. Okay. So obviously Hogan hits the big boot. He hits the leg. Hogan wins the match. The evil Shawn Michaels has been vanquished. Now we set up for match number two. Or do we? Because we don't, Matt. I mean, you think you should. I mean, SummerSlam is the first meeting of these two uh, just iconic giants. Mm-hmm. You think... Okay, they're going to have a second match in the next pay-per-view, and then there's going to be a third rubber match to really wrap this all up. I'd say Survivor Series would be a great place for that. I would say do match two at Survivor Series, do match three at the Rumble or Mania. Can you imagine Hulk Hogan versus Shawn Michaels in a cage at WrestleMania? Oh, that'd be... Well, a Hulk Hogan in a cage match isn't appealing to me, but versus Shawn Michaels in a cage match yeah. is appealing but to if me. You, but if you bury it in all the spectacle of WrestleMania, it gets yeah. by. Yeah. Um, so... But unfortunately, that doesn't happen. And according to Hulk Hogan, it's because of, well, okay, first of all, we should say that allegedly Sean decided to do the overselling when he found out that Hogan was sort of putting the the kibosh on the feud. Yeah. Like it wasn't going to go three matches. So this would theoretically be before the match. Hulk Hogan says he he ended the feud based on what happened after. After the next night on Raw, the episode opens up with Shawn Michaels coming to the ring and giving a promo. I will now perform that promo for you. Should I put the WrestlePiece theater music over this? I mean, you can if you want. All right, let's just do it. Okay. <clears throat> I'm just a sexy boy. Wait, should I just do the intro for WrestlePiece theater? Oh, sure. Go ahead. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Welcome to WrestlePiece Theater, where we reenact and read great promos and segments from across wrestling history. On tonight's segment, we're taking a look at the 2005 Raw after SummerSlam, where Chris E. Hayner will play Sean the Heartbreak Kid Michaels. We now take you to the ring. Uh, Here I am, Motley Cruz. (laughs) No. Here I am, and as much as it hurts me to have to admit this, last night, Hulk Hogan was the better man. 
but you had to be there to appreciate it. It was amazing. It was incredible. He was cat-like. He was agile. He was nimble. He had a catch-as-catch-can style that even yours truly, the heartbreak kid Shawn Michaels, quite honestly, couldn't figure out. I mean, his ring prowess was, in so many ways and on so many levels, superior to mine that I simply could not compete. And when it was over, even I, the evil Shawn Michaels, found myself falling victim, like so many before me, to the vicious leg drop. One, two, three. Great work, Chris. Now, what you, the audience, can't see, because this is an audio format, although we'll drop we'll drop the promo on uh, Twitter for you to check out, is after the promo, Shawn Michaels looks to the camera to the side of him and gives it the most snarky side-eye I've ever seen, as if to say, you all know what happened last night. <laughs> I don't I don't think I have to say this. I'm going to anyway. Um, this promo segment, uh, it, it's just a giant middle finger to Hulk Hogan, and it is wonderful and quite honestly, super honest. Mm-hmm. Oh, it gets more honest. Yes, it does. After the promo, Sean said, or after that bit of the promo, Sean says, now Hulk Hogan has gone back to Florida and he's going to stay there until you give him what he wants. And he makes the motion like he's he makes the the hand gesture to indicate money. And knowing the history of Hulk Hogan uh, later years as a performer makes sense. As I mean, a part timer, he's got his own thing going on. You know, yeah. obviously you got to pay him some money. Well, and. And that's exactly the way Sean phrases it because says, and he says, meanwhile, I'm here to give you what you want. Because at the time, Shawn Michaels was a weekly competitor. He was a full-time WWE star. Um, and it, it's it's the kind of thing we've seen with every full-timer complaining about every part-timer since forever. Um, but it's I, I found it to be a really interesting ploy. Uh, now... According to Hogan, that feud is why it ended or that that uh, that promo is why the feud ended, because he expected Sean to go out and give a promo that says, you know, Hogan, you were the better man last night, but it just makes me want to beat you more. And I can't wait until our next match. You know, a typical thing that a heel would say. Shawn Michaels (laughs) was the heel. Hulk Hogan was the face. And as we know. It's normal for the heel to go out and be like, you're better than I am, but I can't wait to fight you again and win honorably. That's Sportsman not what heels do. That doesn't make sense. It's no. the dumbest thing. Uh, Hogan also, by the way, uh, there's an interview, I think, from 2015 that I found. And Hogan, like, and he, he's asked about Shawn Michaels overselling in that match. And Hogan says, I don't know what you're talking about, brother. That's the kind of thing that Shawn does in all kinds of matches. It's not just a me thing. And I'm like... I've seen a number of Shawn Michaels matches and let me tell you something, brother. Uh, he does not sell like that for literally anyone. I've seen many Shawn Michaels matches in the past. He's oversold a move or two on occasion, but to the best of my knowledge has never oversold a whole match. Shawn Michaels and overselling isn't really a thing to me. No, he just sells things well. Yes. There's a difference between selling, like being good at selling and then overselling. There's this a difference is so- between getting punched in the face and landing on your back and then getting into a lockup and getting thrown across the ring. <laughs> and then flopping out of the ring, standing up again and falling over again. Yes. Just it, every everything is a Ric Flair moment. <laughs> yeah. Everything is that Ric Flair flop. Honest yeah. to God. Like, and it's, and it's wonderful. It's really entertaining. But like, I, I don't know what to tell you, brother, but like, that's not something Sean does in his matches that's not what he's known for Mm -mm. and that's fine because ultimately what we got is the greatest hulk hogan match of all time and like not a great not the greatest uh, hulk Shawn michaels match but oh i would say a top 10 Shawn michaels performance i would say it's my number three Shawn michaels performance i I know that sounds almost blasphemous because he's had better matches but Behind the two Undertaker Mania matches, this is my third favorite Shawn Michaels match. 
Wow. I'm trying to think. I liked the uh, the the first the first Undertaker Mania match is I think my favorite Sean match period. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he's in a lot of pain, but I love Sean versus Austin at Mania. Yeah, and that match has that iconic sweet chin music into a stunner reversal that like sticks out in my brain the very first day because it was in the animation of I think WrestleMania 2000. Yes. But uh, and that was a reversal in WrestleMania 2002. I definitely applied it to all of my characters. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's and oh, Sean versus Rick at Mania. Holy cow! All of the Sean oh, versus I'm sorry, Jericho I love you. stuff. <laughs> I'm sorry, I love you. Kick to the face. And, and let me say, my reason for this being number three on my list is not for the same reason that his Mania matches with Undertaker are number one and number two. Mm-hmm. It's because this is such a memorable, weird match. You've never seen anything like this in wrestling. That's not like coming from DDT Pro, you know? Question. Yeah. Now you're calling this your top three Shawn Michaels performances. Yep. Where on the list is Shawn Michaels pointing at the chicken on his shirt that says Vince loves Vince loves cocks? That's not a match. That's just a moment. But it's a performance. Okay. He's performing. What about when he dressed up as Shane McMahon and danced to stand back? Uh, that's like numbers. I think it's like around a six or seven. For that's got to be top 10, right? It's top 10. Because it's great when he's doing his dumb, he's doing his dumb dance. And then Triple H just goes, stop that. And, Sh- <laughs> and Sean falls down. Yes. <laughs> Sean Michaels is great. That's that's the message I want you to take away from here. Sean Michaels is great. He even got a really good match out of Hulk Hogan, of all people. Chris, when I was in the shower a few weeks back during our break. Is that really where this idea came from? Yes, it is. Awesome. I a love it. A lot of the segment ideas have come from like me just like standing in the shower, just taking a taking a break from, you know, uh, the shower is a good time to get away from the kid for 15 minutes. Mm. Uh, and, you know, you just nice warm water. It's cold in Illinois. And you just let the ideas flow. I like that. I get, my of, idea, I get my ideas while playing video games a lot. Minor, I think all of my ideas are like shower ideas and I write a lot of stuff down afterwards. I'm imagining you in the shower trying to keep a notepad not wet. Oh, no, it's I just stare <laughs> at the wall and I just think and my wife's like, why do you take long showers? Oh. I'm like, well, I'm just staring at the wall like, you know, what up you need stuff. dry erase markers. You can oh, write your notes idea. on the shower wall. It's a good idea. Considering how many a- notebooks I have around this house of like the yeah, same. Yeah. Obviously. Anyway, carry on. Anyway, shower idea. Uh, I thought about like my first impression of seeing the new day. Mm-hmm. I thought, why don't we go back and revisit the first time the new day popped up in wrestling mm-hmm. and talk about rewatch it all and talk about our first impressions of what would eventually become to me, the, the greatest stable tag team in WWE. I know that's, I, that may sound blasphemous to call them the greatest stable. I think they're the greatest stable. That's my ever. Oh, that's the tough part, man. I'm trying to think of a WWE stable that uh, like, and we're, we're talking specifically WWE. So like the four horsemen, it's like stuff like that doesn't really matter. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about strictly I WWE. I might go so far as to say they are the greatest stable in WWE history. I know people are going to say DX, but I feel like DX changed a lot of WWE and how WWE works and kind of brought in the attitude error, helped bring it in. I like New Day more. That's just that's uh, this is going to be like a splitting hairs opinion type thing. I would say I would agree with you. And I would add that DX has a lot more misses than the New Day does. Yes. So for the background, before we talk about actually watching their first match as a group, uh, just kind of explaining how New Day formed, where their roots are from on the sorry, July 21st, 2014 episode of Raw Big E. And Kofi Kingston were tagged up and they were uh, taking on Ryback and Curtis Axel. Um, they lost. Biggie and Kofi what lost the match. Team. They were a tag team for some weird reason. Biggie Langston's music back then, I loved. Kofi's music back then, I loved. SOS. Uh, yeah, he's. Here's this Jamaican song from this guy from Ghana. I would also like to take a second to. I, I did this in the last time we recorded this episode. I don't like Ryback. No, I don't I like want Ryback that either. on record. I don't think Ryback's good. I don't think Ryback can wrestle very well. I think he's a terrible promo. There's like nothing for me about Ryback that worked. Yes. 
That's all. Um, after the match is over, Xavier Woods came to the ring. And at this time, I think he was still like taking over. Uh, Ty- I always want to say Tyrus. Brodus Clay's Funkadactyl's gimmick. And he was just singing and dancing. And that's kind of what he was doing. I think this was just after that, because I know he had started just pop- I believe he had started like popping up backstage in a suit. Yeah. Not necessarily talking, but like he was just there and like the camera would see him in, in places. Uh, Xavier grabs a microphone and uh, here's one of the quotes I pulled from his uh, promo. Uh, you could not move ahead by shaking hands, kissing babies, singing and dancing like a puppet, which got me laughing because that's kind of the direction that they first ended up going with New Day. I mean, that's the New Day. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, that's like, the New Day. Singing and dancing like a puppet is to me, the first version of the new day when they became their own, they're not really, it's not really a puppet type thing. They, they were doing right. their own thing. Um, he sets this, uh, this tone, the, the take what's theirs focus on being a team together and that they're all kind of fed up. So they appeared as a trio for the first time on the main event after that raw where they beat Slater Gator. And that was Heath Slater and uh, Titus O'Neil. If you remember, I don't, yeah, but what a what a Slater Gator. Like, yeah. why are, why don't I have a Slater Gator T-shirt? I don't even know if they made them. I think it's just like Michael there's, Cole. There's no way they made them. There's absolutely no way there's Slater Gator merch. That you never know. You never know. No, I know, Matt. I'm telling you, I refuse to believe it. So, Chris, mm-hmm. you'd think after the the New Day came back together, or they came they came together. Period. Uh, before they were named New Day, they would be on TV constantly, right? Absolutely. Well, they weren't, Chris. They disappeared from the end of July all the way to November 3rd. I don't I don't understand because they were introduced as a new day for this trio of people. Xavier Woods came to the ring. He said, it's time for us to take a stand. Yeah. And that stand meant being off TV for four months. Uh, Okay. so on the November 3rd episode of Raw, we got the very first New Day vignette. Mm. And, was it uh, super if, churchy? Oh, it is super churchy. If you want to watch it at home, either. hey, you at home, if you want to watch it on the WWE Network, go to the November 3rd episode of Raw. Mm-hmm. One hour and 41 minutes is the exact Ooh. mark that you can watch it yourself. So it's a choir. They're, they're singing and dancing. Xavier comes through the choir. He's dancing. He talks into the mic. He's got this kind of cadence of a preacher with the dance moves of James Brown, someone I very much love and admire. Uh they, they they put the cape over Xavier like they used to do with James Brown during live shows. And then on the screen, it says a new day is coming. That's it. And I didn't like it. <laughs> we all know that Biggie is the one with the preacher's voice. Yeah. Let that voice boom through the room. I feel like this is before Biggie truly found became himself on television, though. You know, that's fair. That's fair. OK, I, I think that Xavier. Xavier taught him a thing or two about talking. I, I feel Xavier's always been good on a mic. I feel like he's always been good at being yeah, he has. himself uh-huh. uh, and not discrediting Kofi Kingston or, Xavier, or Biggie in any way. I, I feel that Biggie just didn't find his voice till New Day became what New Day is, you know, until they became the New Day. So on November 28th, 2014, on SmackDown, the New Day Wait, made their... Wait, hold on. Yeah. So the vignettes, so the vignettes started playing on November 3rd. Yes. And they, did they continue to play? I'm assuming I'm they, sorry, continued they continued to play. To play uh, okay, was okay. On I was like, it would have been amazing if they, they debuted one on November 3rd and then they went away for three weeks again. No, they did the old school thing where it's like a new day is coming. Like this wrestler or wrestling group is coming week after week after week with new vignettes. Yeah. So after these vignettes, November 28th, 2014 on SmackDown, the New Day made their debut, taking on Curtis Axel and Slater Gator as a team. Uh, Oh, my God. Slater Gator reigns. (laughs) How many times did Slater Gator win the tag team titles? It had to be at least nine. It feels like they're in that time period. Yeah. I mean, this is this is still an area where the Divas Championship is a thing. We're we're transitioning into that real women's division. belt. What? That ugly butterfly. It's so bad. Yeah, Uh, but at least AJ Lee was champion at that time and she was great. That's cool. AJ Lee ruled, dude. Yeah. Like, I understand, like, she got out in her prime, but like, man, she was fantastic. Completely agree. Uh, So kind of just going 
through our thoughts of watching their very first match. Uh, I felt like during their entrance, there was a ton of piped in cheering. And at the same time, the audience didn't seem like they were feeling them. I, I don't blame them because the vignettes leading up to this moment didn't really leave anybody wanting more. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got the idea that they were like, they were a positive group of baby faces, but where's the excitement in that? Also, what happened to them having this heel edge that Xavier Wood showed during that initial promo way, way, way back. Completely when? wiped away. Yeah. Not good. No. Uh, so obviously when a, a team debuts or they're going to get the win more times often than not. Uh, but what I really liked about them in the ring was that as a trio, they actually worked pretty well together. Okay. Uh we, we saw kind of what they would eventually become. They, they stuck to their strengths. You know, Biggie was a powerhouse. Kofi is a high flyer. Uh, Xavier's more of an all-rounder. I wouldn't necessarily call him a technician. Um, also, he's the he's like, I know the, the New Day doesn't have like a front man, like yeah. a leader. But like Xavier, especially in the beginning, was the mouthpiece. Uh, yeah, he was the best talker and he was. If you remember even some of those older New Day matches, even when they won the crowd over, Xavier was mostly on the outside of the ring, you know, playing trombone and hyping up the crowd. And oh, Lucille. Yeah, Lucille, Lucille too. Uh, and that was great. It worked incredibly well. I mean, Xavier is great in the ring. I don't want to discredit him by any means. Mm-hmm. He is just more, at that time, was more charismatic than the other two men. And I believe as we went on, all of their strengths kind of rubbed off on each other, which I love. Absolutely. They found themselves. Yeah. Which is exciting. But they all also, I think, taught each other their strengths and how to utilize them to all become like all three of them well-rounded. I would agree with that. That's 100%. Um, there was one moment during the match because the match was whatever bland the, them as a group bland. <laughs> there was one moment where we really get to see what, New Day would eventually become. And it's after they win, they go behind the commentary table there and they're partying with the crowd who, and they actually kind of get some of the crowd behind them in it, but into what's going on, but it's mainly because the cameras are there, but they're like, they're making a connection with the crowd. And Mm -hmm. I feel like when New Day was at its height, what you loved about New Day was that they, it was almost like they wanted to connect with you and be your friends. They threw pancakes to you, you know, uh, it was almost like they were the everyman, you know, they're the fun loving guys. And that's kind of what we got to see here at the end of that match. They are in Matt, Matt, let me take you back to a time in like 2009, 2010 ish. Yeah. Imagine if the song party rock anthem was a wrestling tag team. I do enjoy some LMFAO. I hate to admit it. Same. 100% same. Not going to lie. Definitely did that song on Just Dance a couple of weeks ago. And boy, was I tired afterward. Uh, Cuz old. But like it, it's it's what New Day has become is very much just sort of like it. They, they've kind of evolved past that into being even more uh, what they are. But like mm-hmm. it, it was very much meme culture personified. It was rainbows and kittens and breakfast foods and like it like unicorns. They would wear horns to the ring like and and it wasn't so much as they were uh, embracing memes as they were creating memes. Yes. They made themselves a box of cereal for crying out loud. And and what a way to kind of tap into that Internet culture like because yeah. wrestling at that time, uh, I would say 2014 through like 2016 was a, it was a transitional period for WWE. And I feel like two things kind of led the charge during that time. Number one would be the women's division. Uh, and number two would be New Day. Yes. Kind of kind of leading to what WWE would become now. And even now they're go there. I'd say now they're in another transitional phase, but that's mainly because of. AEW existing and a pandemic. 100%. Um, it, it, it's WWE is kind of having to refine its voice every few years right now because the landscape changes so quickly compared to, you know, 1993. Mm-hmm. It's true. And it's weird. Like, so I remember it was the WrestleMania in Dallas mm-hmm. uh, a number of years ago where I think people 
I think WWE realized what they had in the New Day mm-hmm. because that was the first time someone in WWE outsold John Cena yeah. in merchandise. And I remember that being a big deal that the New Day sold the most merchandise at WrestleMania. And I could be wrong. I think I'm wrong. I was going to say, I don't even think they were on the card. I th- was, But that wasn't the year they hosted. No, that might have been the year before. Yeah. Maybe the year after. But like, it was clear know. that like, and, and I'll tell you what, I bought New Day merch at that WrestleMania. I bought New Day socks because New Day socks. And I bought um, you uh, new day pops, the frozen. I still have it. I will never <laughs> open it or eat it because it's just a box of sugar. And hold on, hold on a second. You know what I just realized? Like that was like the first real friendship thing that we did. Uh, and that's also like one of the first new day things I bought. It was like, I bought you a wrestling piece of merchandise. This is a couple years ago. Wasn't uh, it like at like, on at the clearance section, like a Sam Goody or some such thing. It was an FYE. And I was actually like, <laughs> Uh, so, uh, associate video producer, I don't know his actual title, uh, Dave Klein from GameSpot is from my area, kind of. And we both met up at a mall to like go have you lunch. You on a mall date? Yeah, we had a mall date because like I don't get to see people from work that often because I you work. You really don't, man. I'm a telecommuter. I'm one of the very few telecommuters at GameSpot, so I uh, work from home. <laughs> we're all telecommuters now, well, bro. Before the pandemic, pre-pandemic. Right, right. Uh, yeah, because like, like, honestly, like I see you over Zoom every week for the show. But like in person, there were three times a year I would see you. Comic-Con, mm-hmm. New York Comic-Con and the game, like an all hands game spot meeting in San Francisco. And the plan was WrestleMania, but we only got to do WrestleMania oh, and, once. Right. We were we were supposed to go to WrestleMania in 2020. But then, as it turns out, the world had other plans. Remember, and this is kind of like behind the curtain stuff, but it's kind of. We taught you and I talked for a long time about canceling going to Mania, and I canceled first because uh, I was, super I was still going to go. I was going to go alone, and it was going to be so weird. I was so excited for that Mania because I wanted to go to Tampa Bay's like football stadium because they have a pirate ship. Yep, and that's I was hoping, it. and I wanted Kari Sang to come off the pirate ship. Uh huh. One hundred percent. Like, and yeah, who wouldn't want that? Um, and also just anyway. going, getting to go to Florida and hang out with you and like a couple of our buddies that live down in Florida, too. So, Matt, I would have made us go to Disney World. I hope you understand that. Gone. Yeah, we would have gone. I would have taken. Oh, my God, Matt. We could have gone to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. We could have we could have brought uh, Shimmer's cameraman David Puente with us. <laughs> there you go. He would have loved it. Every time I go to Florida, I hang out with him. Well, now you can hang out with him in the happiest place on Earth. That's true. Star Wars. It's a weird reminiscing moment, but it's good. And here's the thing. The New Day's first impression wasn't great. They eventually won the crowd over. But what I love about the New Day as a whole is that, and this is almost sounds kind of weird to say, they bring people together. Like the New Day is one of those they things that kind of joy. brought us together. Like new, new, the New Day's gimmick is joy. Yeah. Spreading joy, making people smile, which that should be the goal of most of wrestling, I think. Especially As in the hyper cynical era that we now. live in. Yes, we need something to just make us laugh and smile and be excited about things. And the New Day does that. Uh, uh, it did not do that when it first showed up. Mm-mm. But it's like a lot of things in wrestling. Like what's really interesting, and we, we talked about this a bit uh, the first time we did this segment. For me, the New Day's trajectory is very similar to that of one Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah. In that when they showed up, they were like kind of like the the bright, sunny, good guys, the Rocky Maya Vias, if you will, the blue chippers, mm-hmm. if you will. And then the crowd was not into it. The crowd turned New Day heel. I remember being at the Mania, uh, the Raw After Mania, when the new day sucks new day sucks chance started and the new day didn't like for a hot second didn't know how to react to it yeah um and it the crowd made them bad guys and they were but they were so endearing that as bad guys the crowd fell in love with them and turned them into the most lovable good guys ever which is exactly what happened with the rock he was the shiny baby face heat, shiny baby face, 
everybody chanted die Rocky die and Rocky sucks at him. Mm -hmm. And so he turned heel, joined the nation, uh, did the corporation, the corporation stuff, blah, 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 blah. And eventually became so beloved by the crowd. They had no choice, but to make him the people's champion. I would say that the one thing that the new day did better in this, this instance was while they were heel, they were still playing to the audience as baby faces. Yeah. So when people were chanting new day sucks, they go, no guys, no guys, it's new day rocks. And they, yeah. they would keep up that friendly, positive persona. And occasionally they kind of get some weird, uh, not weird, but some heelish quips in. Yeah. Uh, but I love that they still played that baby face character, but tweaked it enough where they're, they are heels and it worked out yeah. incredibly well. It, it was walking a really fun line and then it made it easy to accept them as baby faces because they hadn't done anything like horrific. Yeah. They hadn't, you know, it wasn't like that time Hulk Hogan hit the rock with a semi truck. It wasn't like that at all. <laughs> or it Randy Orton like lit time, somebody on fire. <laughs> it wasn't like that time Undertaker kidnapped Stephanie McMahon. Oh yeah. It wasn't like that time Randy Orton lit the fiend on fire and then pretended to light Alexa bliss on fire because he, Matt, he has voices in his head. I don't think you understand. That character is so offensive to me on every level. <laughs> God, I, everything about Randy Orton is bad. Oh, I, and uh, think about it. I just like thinking about the fact that like they have gotten over they've six years. It was, I mean, it was six years of them being a stable for the most part of it being completely over with the audience, like what other stables have lasted that long? What other tag teams have lasted that long? And Name they've one. done it without really compromising who they are. They never did a heel turn. Uh, once they were established, we, I should say, once they kind of established themselves as faces, they never had to do a heel turn to continue to be over. Never. I'm looking at your notes, Matt. Spoilers. And I mentioned that you say the idea of kill them with kindness as a gimmick doesn't work for stables. And you're right. But somehow with these guys, it absolutely works. Like, like you will have no greater joy than watching the New Day be genuinely thrilled and dancing to their opponent's theme song. Yeah. Yeah. As like as a dastardly villain walks to the ring and the New Day is just rocking. Out. And and regardless of the genre, if it's like a metal theme song, you'll see Woods headbanging harder than anybody in the room. And it's a, to a guy he's about to fight <laughs> to a guy he's about to fight. And he's having the, the like the, the thing about the New Day is it just always seems like they're having the time of their life. And wrestling like, in 2014. Wonderful. Around that time, 2015, it's so serious. Um, even oh now, you, boy. it was just yeah, it is. It was too serious. And so having, not serious in that it was realistic. No, but the storyline from what everything I remember about that time was just so just like, there's no fun. Where's the fun? Wrestling's supposed to be fun. You want proof of that? Let me tell you what else was going on this night, Matt. Yeah. The night Oh the God! I forgot about the Xavier line. Woods promo happened. Oh no! I forgot about this. That was the night that Brie Bella, Brie Bella had been feuding. The Bellas had been feuding with Stephanie McMahon. I think maybe it was just Brie. Uh, had been. Oh yeah, because I believe this was when Nikki might have been out with a neck injury. Yeah, something along those lines. Who knows? Uh, and she was ejected from the arena, but she was able to magically scalp a front row ticket. Because that's how scalping works, I guess. And they're so cheap. Front row seats, so cheap. I mean, I buy my front row seats to WWE pay-per-views for like $7 a pop. Yeah, so, I, I, I once got them for with a, a firm handshake and a smile. Well, it's a good smile, Matt. Thanks. It's a great smile. Um, but there was a whole thing where Stephanie McMahon assaulted Brie Bella. And since Brie Bella was in the audience, that was assaulting the public. Stephanie McMahon was arrested on this episode of Raw. That's the kind of place we were at as far as the storytelling goes. And now imagine that sort of era of WWE. And then just here comes this pop of rainbow color. Mm -hmm. And God, it just makes me so happy that we have the new day. I don't want to never not have the new day. I know they're kind of they're split between two shows right now. And he is kind of doing his own thing, but he's still clearly a member of the new day. Yeah. Like, which is beautiful. I I just love it. Let's go down to the mailbag. Open it up. It's internet mail. 
Is that our new mailbag theme I song? hate it, but yeah, I guess it is. Okay, cool. Th- today's question comes from uh, friend of the pod, by which I mean friend of Chris Hayner, uh, and People Magazine writer, Kara Warner. Look look uh, how far... We're, le- we're legitimate. We're so legit. We're journalists, and like journalists that have, like, have all the integrity and all the experience and like all the respect, they're asking us wrestling questions. And here's the thing, Matt, if it's coming from a very serious journalist, like someone who writes for People magazine, you know, it's going to be a very important and thought provoking question. Mm -hmm. And if you're thinking, wait a minute, are you making fun of People magazine? No, I'm not. They do really good work. (laughs) They do fantastic work. And I and all and specifically my Kara Warner, who sent in today's question, it writes legitimately some of my favorite celebrity profiles. So take that. So Kara Warner's very important wrestling question. Why the tiny Speedo shorts mm. still? And do the guys use the beauty queen trick of hairspraying the fabric so nothing slips out? I mean, don't get me wrong. I love a good man thigh moment, but the longer biker shorts are great, too. Here's how good she is at being a journalist. She got to ask one question and she worked in two. That's good journalism. And an opinion on top of it. Wow. About man thigh. Uh, here, oh, I don't even know where to start with, like, the, I feel like slowly but surely the era of short trunks are going away. Mm -hmm. I feel like we're seeing more pants and more shorts. And I love me a good pant with a good pant design on it. Absolutely. I'm not, I'm, and here's the thing, uh, I'm not against the trunks. No, no. I'm not. Like, they, they work in some instances. For instance, would Finn Balor's entrance, in which he juts his, juts his junk out at the audience, have the same impact if he were wearing pants? I can tell you one person that wouldn't be as interested. I my know. wife. That's right. Because <laughs> she texts her friend about it. Um, That's specifically why I brought that up, because that's my favorite thing you've talked about in this show. I'm like, my wife's favorite part of wrestling is when Finn Balor, like, <laughs> sticks, sticks his groin out at the audience. Um, (laughs) uh, but no, it's, it's really interesting what you, I feel like what you notice is that, uh, as the wrestlers age, they, at least the newer generations, the older generation, like Ric Flair wore those trunks until his, till the end. Yeah. Uh, uh, Hogan, I feel like was an early adopter in moving from trunks to pants. Yes. Cause early in his WWF run, he was a trunks guy. WCW turned pants it up. Yeah. Um, well, he, he even I believe he wore pants in the latter half, latter part of his WWE run, too. I do not remember. Or WWF run before W. Regardless, uh, it feels like as the guys get older, they move away from wearing uh, bathing suit bottoms yeah. uh, in an effort to obviously change up their look. Sometimes it's less aesthetically pleasing. Uh, Jer- Chris Jericho is an interesting case in that he started his career in pants, then moved to trunks and then moved back to pants. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know why they do. I just know a lot of it. A lot of wrestling, a lot of wrestlers are very traditionalist in their approach. So, like, I if you if I found out it was because they're sort of adhering to the older ways of the business, that wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I also think like a lot of these guys are very proud of their physiques. I'm like, they spend a lot of time working out. part of their job. Let's, let's be real and honest here. Part of your job mm-hmm. as a wrestler is to be in shape. That's part of the job. It, unless you're like, like, but they're also characters. That's definitely not part of their job. Otis's job in WWE isn't to be ripped, but in sh- he's in shape. In some form. I mean, I'm sure he has yeah. good cardio and good strength. He's in shape. It's just a different. It's not like. It's just a different. Different. Shape. And I don't mean that in a mean way at all. No. I mean, he's not Randy. Look, I'm a big dude. Like, I understand. I'm a, I have like, I'm 1 million percent dad bod because I don't work out ever. Dad bod Elfring. That's what we call him around the GameSpot offices. Yeah. yeah you guys got to stop um, doing that. Sorry, bro. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure why that's still a thing, but it does seem like it's happening less and less. Uh, what I will say, what I do find interesting is the comment about the beauty queen trick about using hairspray. I don't know if wrestlers do that. However, what 
most people don't know and we and we like i feel like matt we only know because wrestlers have been pantsed by other wrestlers on tv before mm-hmm. is that underneath the trunks they're usually wearing like an actual speedo to hold their stuff in place yeah yeah because you can't that doesn't mean mistakes don't happen no it doesn't um i believe it was chris jericho that mentioned in a book about wrestling someone and uh there being oh no it might have been mick foley it was one of the two of them uh and mentioning a move that has since been dubbed the penis suplex so you can only guess what happened there what happened Oh, the penis came out. Oh, no! <laughs> power bomb. You gotta, you gotta give him the power bomb. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's... I don't I don't know... I don't, first of all, I don't know the Beauty Queen hairspray trick. Uh, I'm interested. Is because is it because hairspray is sticky, so, like, the suit will then stick to your skin, maybe? So this has been the mailbag. That's been the mailbag. Thanks for listening to us, Ed. Thanks, Kara. Thank you so much for uh, adding legitimacy to our show. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, does this mean we're People Magazine approved? I don't think it does, but like, can I tell people that? I don't know. I don't know. Hey, Carrie, you know what you should do to show us that we're People Magazine approved? Rate and review us on iTunes. Why don't all of you do that? All of you should just go to the Apple Podcast app right now. If you like us, leave us five stars. If you love us, write a glowing review about how wonderful we are. You know what? And always hit us up on those Twitters. You're going to hear it in the in the post music, but at WrestleBuddies, let us know what you love about wrestling. Just chit chat with us. We're both on the Twitter too. You can find us, whatever. Mm. I am always willing to write about wrestling way too much and uh, sacrifice part of my work day. Well, that's good. Yeah. Chris, leave yeah. us with some final words before we head on to the ocean blue. Oh, Matt. I'm, I've begun construction on my second Minecraft theme park. That's what I'm going to, that's my parting thought. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Robocop. Thanks for listening to Russell buddies. We hope you had at least almost as much fun as we did. Go ahead and rate and review us on the Apple podcast app. You can email us questions at WrestleBuddies at gamespot.com or find us over on Twitter at Russell buddies. I am at Chris Hayner. He is at I'm Matt Elfring. See you next week.